Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was a priest of the order of Abijah, one of many orders of priests who took turns minding the temple of Jerusalem. At a certain point in the cycle of temple worship, his order of priests came on duty for a week, and the lot fell to him one day to offer incense in the inner sanctuary of the Lord. Alone in that sacred room, Zechariah was visited by the angel Gabriel, who predicted that he and his wife Elizabeth would at long last have a son. You will name him John, Gabriel said, and he will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. But Zechariah had a moment of doubt and questioned Gabriel. How can this be? For I am old and my wife is getting on in years. It was a bad move on Z's part. <laughs> Gabriel punishes him by making him mute until the day his son is born. So when Zechariah comes out of that sanctuary with the incense and everyone sees that he cannot speak, they know at once that he's had a vision. Fast forward nine months later and John the Baptist is born. Eight days after that, they go to circumcise him, which is also his naming day. Everyone assumed the boy would be named after his father and they looked forward to calling him Zeke Jr. for years to come. But Elizabeth tells everyone his name is John. Say what? They ask, incredulous. No one in your family has that name. So they go to Zechariah, who is still mute, and ask him about it. He gets a tablet and writes, his name is John. And immediately his voice is loosed and he starts praising God. All the neighbors jumped back, freaked out, because Z hadn't spoken in almost a year. But filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah proclaims his song of praise, which we just read together as Cantical 4. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation before us in the house of his servant David. And Zechariah describes the imminent arrival of the one sent by God, Jesus. Then, switching gears, he looks down tenderly at his newborn son and declares, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins. In other words, Zechariah tells his son, just eight days old, his destiny to be the messenger who will prepare the way of the Lord. Now, fast forward about 30 years or so, and we come to the beginning of today's reading from Luke's Gospel. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and etc., etc., in other words, in about the year 29, Luke takes great pains to mark this moment, this moment when the word of God comes to John the Baptist and he begins his ministry in the wilderness. Luke takes great pains to mark it for at least three reasons. First and foremost, it is a pivotal moment in history, basically the announcement that God has arrived among us. 
Or perhaps in the words of that famous bumper sticker, Jesus is coming, look busy. (laughs) They didn't have it back then, but we have that now. So it's important to pinpoint the year in which this cosmic shift occurs. Second, by setting the starting date of John's ministry within the context of powerful secular rulers and their reign, no less than seven are name-dropped here. Luke seeks to legitimize the events in the eyes of his readers and the world. See, he says, this really happened and I can prove it by giving you the exact date based on the reign of various men of importance that everyone knows. And third, Luke offers this list, this registry of seven important men and their high positions in office, building tension in his listeners and anticipation that something amazing is about to be revealed at the highest levels of government, only to swerve at the last minute away from all this pomp and circumstance to say, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Not in the courts of the Romans, not in the temple at Jerusalem, not in the places where all eyes are trained as they await the next big historical event, but out in the middle of nowhere. Wilderness is the place outside of structured society. It is the place of chaos and disorder. It was also believed to be the dwelling place of negative demons. So you didn't go out there for the news of the day. Nor did you venture into it just for fun, whistling a happy tune as you wandered into an expanse of desolation or overwhelm. No, you would really only find yourself in the wilderness if you were lost, or if it was your day of reckoning. And maybe John first proclaimed the truth of the word of God from the wilderness, because that's the one place where those first followers and where we might actually be able to hear it. Back in civilization, where things are going well and we have our own positions of responsibility and routines, the divine is stymied. So easy to ignore, kind of hard to fit into our calendar. When you don't really need to hear the truth of the word of God and you're going about your day-to-day life, it's oh so easy to put it on mute. But boy, find yourself in the wilderness someday and you will know the presence of God if you remain open to it. When you've lost your job, when a beloved friend or family member dies, when all the ways that you've hurt others or yourself come home to roost, when you've been broken open, that's when God can find you most powerfully and set you back on the path to new life. The word of God may come as comfort if you're feeling lost, or it may arrive as harsh truth you need to hear in order to move on, or both. We heard from the prophet Malachi in our first reading. His name means my messenger. Malachi describes his message as being like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And so it is with John the Baptist. His harsh cries in the wilderness call us to repentance every year about this time. That we may make ourselves clean and prepare to receive the Lord when he arrives once more. A refiner's fire is one that purifies metal. 
as the refiner skims off the dross that floats to the top of the bubbling metal amid extremely high temperatures, creating pure and precious silver from rock that once was encrusted with filth. And Fuller's soap is a toxic, powerful bleaching agent that makes garments white and pure. When we wander into a wilderness in life, we are mostly filled with pain. But if we can listen for the voice of God amid the chaos and those negative demons, the divine words that reach us will cleanse and purify our hearts. I know I'm speaking to some of you right now who may be in the wilderness, and I have a message for you. Don't give up. Hang in there. Keep listening for the voice of God and trust that even what feels as painful as fire and toxic as bleach right now is merely preparing you for the new life that God will require of you. I remember once being stuck in a traffic jam on the streets of Dorchester, Boston, during my year there as a priest. Wearing my clericals near twilight and with a thunderstorm threatening, but still with my car window rolled down, my car slowly inched along the endless row of red brake lights towards the intercession. intersection. Far ahead, I could see a homeless man holding a cardboard sign trying to engage the drivers and get some change. I steeled myself because by then I knew that wearing a collar marked me as a target. There had been many times when, having said no to a request for change, I was told I wasn't a real Christian or that Jesus would have helped them. When the man finally saw me, his face brightened up. From about 30 feet away, he pointed at me and started shouting, Malachi, chapter 2, verse 7. Malachi, 2, 7. Over and over. And I had no clue what he was talking about. But he was smiling and not scowling, so I figured I'd be okay. So I nodded, pretending to know what he meant, waving my hand at him as if, as if it were our little secret. He smiled even bigger. Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. He shouted again and I nodded vigorously and chuckled, hoping to not get caught in my ignorance, hoping he wouldn't ask me for money. Finally, I got near enough to him that he cried out, Good evening, Pastor. Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And I kid you not, my eyes suddenly teared up. It felt as though he had brought a message from God in a moment when I sorely needed it. Feeling disrespected and dismissed by the rector in my new job. Miserable in my work. Lonely and away from William. He said, remember that you are a messenger of the Lord of hosts, Ricardo, and don't give up. I have more in store for you than this. I nodded solemnly and thanked the man, and he smiled even bigger and said, you have a blessed day. Then he continued on down the line of cars. The name John, in Hebrew, Yohanan, means Yahweh has been gracious. 
So often the grace of God arrives in the heat of loss or frustration. And yes, okay, sometimes it even comes in the light of day when we are at our happiest. But listen for it wherever you are, and you will be transformed. The valleys shall be filled, the mountains and hills of your life shall be made low. And the crooked parts in your heart shall be made straight, the rough ways made smooth. Then, when you return from the wilderness, you will have a message a proclamation of good news to share for a world that desperately needs to hear it. May we never be muting God's voice calling to us in the wilderness. Amen.